This is the Trip Center. Welcome back to the Trip Center. The Trip Center is here for wilderness canoe trippers to pick up advice and insight on planning canoe camping trips. It can seem like a lot of preparation, but we can't let the fear of the unknown keep us from getting outdoors. I'm your host, a canoe trip leader, Katie Tozer. Let's get out there. We're going up to the tippy top of the United States today for another route recommendation. This is National Parks Week, the week we're recording. So I wanted to take you guys to Voyagers National Park and walk through a route that I've done here before. You'll arrive in International Falls and get on Highway 11. Take Highway 11 to the very end and you're in Voyagers National Park. There's a resort at the end there, a couple resorts on the way actually. Rainy Lake Visitor Center for Voyagers National Park shoots off of Highway 11 down Road 96. So you get to the end of that if you want to kick off from there or pick up a map before you go. But you can also launch just from the end of Highway 11, actually at a resort called Shay Shays. So unload your gear and let's get going. The route I'm going to walk through today goes from Black Bay in Rainy Lake to Cabotogama Lake. And it's a little C-shape. It's just a little loop almost. The lakes are all very large and there's actually one dam in the picture. The trip could take between three to five days depending on how you want to pace it. It's really two lakes, Rainy Lake and Cabotogama. And the total distance is 50 miles or about 80 kilometers. There is technically only one portage since the lakes are so large and you're only doing two. But you could add in more depending on where you camp. And if you want to say go through a peninsula rather than around it, there are a couple options for that. Once out in Black Bay, you'll find a couple of places to camp right away, because a lot of people don't get much farther than this if they're just taking a day trip or something. So you'll be paddling north when you're ready to leave Black Bay, and if you go north too far, you will be in Canada before you've gone more than a couple of miles. Uh, But you'll jog to the right and head eastward to continue through Rainy Lake. There are quite a few islands in Voyagers National Park, really large ones. So even though you're in a massive lake, it won't always feel that way and the geography will shift and change as you paddle. So your first day might feel relatively closed in, going from Black Bay in between a few islands in Rainy Lake. Pretty soon it's gonna open up though and you can actually see across into Canada from where you're paddling. Be wary of some of these wide bays that you'll be crossing because if you're there in the late afternoon or a storm is coming in, the waves can get really large. So this is another time where you want to make sure you've strapped in your gear. Unlike some of the campsites I mentioned in earlier episodes where you can spot them from afar by, you know, thinning trees, landing spots of 
grass or pine needles or granite. Some of the campsites here, luckily they're marked on the map, um, they're a bit hidden and they can have some high elevation. There's good news in that update. I can tell you I came across a campsite over here along the north edge of this island going east that had amazing cliff jumping right at the top of the campsite. You'll continue east for the bulk of the trip, and it's not until you cross between the edge of Voyagers National Park and Ontario at a place called Mackenzie Island, and you head southeast from there that the geography will really change again. It's still Rainy Lake. It's really that big, um, but you can hug the shore to stay out of the widest areas and keep yourself safe in case you have to pull off for any, any reason. So campsites dot this landscape. You've got a lot of choices between Black Bay and the end of Rainy Lake. I think you could do this in two days, possibly three, depending on weather and the fitness of your group. Things change suddenly when you cut straight south at Oak Point Island at the end of Rainy Lake, and you'll find yourself at Kettle Falls. Kettle Falls is actually a dammed area before before Ernest Oberholzer got the area protected from commercial interests who wanted to build dams all over this area, Kettle Falls was built. So this is the only dam in the park. It's over 100 years old. It's just a big white hotel building. There's a restaurant, a bar, and a gift shop. This is also your only portage. It's really a dirt road. The staff here at Kettle Falls Hotel actually drive their little golf carts around on this path. So, you know, if you're friendly with them and you don't feel like you have to carry the pack yourself, you're not doing it for pride or anything, uh, you could toss your backpack on the golf cart with them. Though I don't think they have a mechanism for taking the canoes, so be prepared to carry those still. I remember being nervous the first time I was, I knew I was going to be paddling up to a falls or a dam. Uh, it's not that serious. There's a little bit of a current, like the base you would find in a river. So it's, you know, it's different from the lakes, but it's definitely not pulling you in. You still have full control. It's not that crazy. It is so nice to be in this narrows after being in those large, large, beautiful open lakes where you could see clear across to Canada. Now you look across and you feel like you could touch the trees on both sides. You're closer to wildlife and you just feel a little more protected on the other side of the dam. From here on out, you're in Cabotogama and you're doing your loop, right? So once you've gone south, you're gonna head back straight west. There are a few different takeout spots with road access in Cabotogama Lake, but this lake, while it's still large, it's a lot smaller than Rainy Lake. So definitely spend a night here if you've got the time to do so. Let's talk about water. Paddling to the middle of a big lake and scooping up water that looks clear isn't actually quite enough to ensure that your water is free of germs that could cause you or your trip to get really sick. So what do you do instead? We used to use iodine before we learned that iodine could lead to thyroid problems. And it was a clunky method to begin with. You had to create your own solution and time it and then add it and wait longer. And it had a kind of unpleasant taste too. 
So today, the new method is using UV lights. The UV light solution seems really elegant to me because we all know the sun is a natural disinfectant. Using a UV light essentially increases the concentration of sunlight and can purify a bottle of water a whole lot faster than just setting it out in the sun would. So you want to go UV light shopping well in advance of your trip because testing them out is essential. They could have lots of parts that are tricky to master. You might get a faulty one or a finicky one that, you know, maybe doesn't turn on as easily as it should. So definitely get these ahead of time and test them out. When you're happy with the one you've chosen, get another one and bring back up batteries as well. You definitely want to have a couple of these because you don't ever want to be in a situation where you have to stop all your progress because everybody's out of water. Worst case scenario, all your UV lights break, you're out of batteries, and you still need to drink water. What do you do? Like I said before, the sun is a disinfectant, so if you want to fill up some water bottles, you can shake them up, make sure they're clear, free of like grit and grime, and then leave them in the sun for six hours. It's tricky because you need six hours of direct sunlight. So your other option is to boil it. Boiling as a purification method makes me think of cooking, and I do want to make a quick note there. When you're cooking, if you're maybe rehydrating meals, you want to make sure that you're using your purified water. If you're cooking and boiling water is a part of the meal prep, just make sure that you've boiled the water completely before you're adding any food items to that pot. Now, this podcast is no substitute for some survival experience, but if you follow this trip tip, you guys should be able to avoid Giardia and other river germs. Happy National Parks Week for those of you listening today, April 21st through the 29th. The National Parks theme this year is park stars. So starry skies and people like you, Trip Center listeners who champion the parks are being celebrated. And the events are kicking off with a free fee day today. So it's a great time to scout out a park or a route if you're nearby one. This week also coincides with National Volunteer Week. So no matter where you live or where you happen to be, This week, if you're nearby a national park, definitely check it out and see if there's a group you can join or something you can contribute to. On April 22nd, it is Earth Day and the 50th anniversary of the National Trails System. The military and U.S. veterans are recognized on the 28th, and they're doing something new on the 29th. The last day of National Parks Week is National Parks Prescription Week. There has been a growing movement to prescribe time outdoors for people with a variety of problems. Um, Nature walks are becoming common, like self-therapy, and they're being prescribed as well. So that's what the 29th is going to be. Definitely reach out to some pals and go take a hike together. Voyagers National Park has some great trails to walk through if you want to scout out this route we mentioned today. 
It's also a great place to go fishing, bird watching, and boating. You can join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag National Parks Week. As always, the Trip Center would love to hear comments from our listeners at thetripcenter.wordpress.com or our Twitter handle at the underscore trip underscore center. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I hope you're all having a great National Parks Week. Take care out there.